Welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy. Thank you for listening. Today we have with us um, two guests, Jason Daly and Alex Wolf-Graham from Brandography, a digital marketing firm based here in the Twin Cities. Welcome, guys. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, Jason Daly is the president and founder of Brandography, and Alex Wolf-Graham is a digital strategist there as well. And we also have with us Ruth Tamarnino from Hubbard Interactive. Hello. <laughs> so let's get into this week's episode number 64, SEO, How to Stay Relevant. So welcome, guys. I want you to tell me a little bit more about Brandography. Sure. So Brandography is a digital marketing firm here in the Twin Cities. And uh, our firm has three different departments. We have a marketing department, a creative department, and a software department where we build websites. And uh, one of our primary tactics is SEO. Um, How long have you guys been in business for? Been in business since 2008. Wow. Awesome. And then what kind of made you get started into this whole digital marketing SEO world? Yeah. So it was about 2005 when I personally started uh, getting into digital marketing. And uh, I really noticed that there was just a big gap in digital marketing. It was still new. It was in its infancy. And... um, and companies that wanted to engage in digital marketing needed a, a content writer, an SEO strategist, oftentimes a pay-per-click strategist, a designer, um, a front-end developer, back-end developer. And I just recognized after doing it for several years on my own that there was there was such value in creating a firm with all of this in-house with employees under one roof where we can, uh, we can really partner with our clients, understand their needs, help create campaigns and execute on those with them. So for those listening, and I think most people listening know a lot about SEO and website and social, like enough to be dangerous, I'll say. Um, but will you talk a little bit more about what's, what SEO stands for and a little kind of over 500 foot overview? Yeah, absolutely. So SEO is an acronym that stands for Search Engine Optimization. And for the most part, we're going to talk about Google. And the reason we're going to talk about Google is Google has about a 92 to 94% market share um, if we look globally and include mobile in that. Um, So search engine marketing really is showing up as a result from an organic search in Google. And what I mean is when you open up a browser and you have a question, you're going to type that into Google and it's Google's job to give you that answer. And search engine optimization is the, uh, the methods and strategies by which you are encouraging Google to make you that answer for that question or search query. So how many clients is it their goal to just be number one in Google every time you and talk that's, to them? That's a great question. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's, it's, it's, almost, it's, it's very important to rank highly. It's, it's obviously very clearly important, but it's almost a misnomer. The, the reason we're engaging in social media isn't necessarily to show up number one for uh, XYZ keyword. It's to, it's to get conversions. It's to achieve whatever goal you're trying to achieve. And with that, what I mean by it's a misnomer is oftentimes we'll meet with, with clients it's like uh, I have a, a friend who's a, a chiropractor in the Twin Cities, and he wanted to show up for Twin Cities Chiropractic. Well, that's what he wanted to show up as. And he sat down with me, and he opened up his computer, and he typed it in, and he said, look, I'm not even on this screen. And I said, well, first of all, you're not actually in the Twin Cities. You're in a suburb. Secondly, I could actually do some research and show that nobody's actually typing in that keyword. What they're typing in is, and so what we're able to do is we're able to get some research, understand what those keywords are that people actually use to find him. And I said, okay, now these are the keywords that we should focus on. And again, the goal is not necessarily to show up number one. It's great if we do. The goal is to get traffic, but get really good traffic, right? And sometimes that's showing up as one, two, or three. But when we look at SEO as a holistic strategy, oftentimes we need to consider the amount of time, energy, and money that we have to put towards it. And sometimes it makes more sense to have three keywords ranking at numbers two or three, as opposed to one keyword ranking at number one. So when we look at the time, energy, and money you spend, sometimes we want to be a little more uh, pragmatic about where we spend that. And sometimes 
going from t number two to number one really isn't going to make that much of a difference. We could take that energy and shift it somewhere else. So to answer your question, SEO is a strategy by which you, you accomplish these things, but it really, it, it has to be a holistic strategy. And that's, that's, that's how we approach it. There's a lot going SEO. on with Nailed SEO. <laughs> <laughs> so and another thing I want to touch on is the difference between pay-per-click and SEO, because that's a big part of search too. So when you are doing, you know, pay-per-click, um, kind of describe those different sections when you Google something. Yeah, so for uh, pay-per-click, you know, a lot of times, a lot of clients, when they when we do an SEO effort for them, if we find that it's certain keywords are really hard to rank for, and that, you know, they may, may take a lot of time, a lot of effort on the content portion, that we might suggest, you know, another digital strategy, such as pay-per-click. And so, you know, we go, we'll go through, we'll look at, you know, the data and what kind of keywords are being searched for and what kind of markets and what we think is the most relevant traffic and that we think that can be of, of most help to, you know, whatever company is servicing, what kind of service they have or what kind of products and then develop a strategy to say, okay, based on X amount of budgets, we will try to hone in and create these types of ads for these types of keywords and then have it complement um, you know, an, an ongoing SEO strategy to help uh, customers convert. Yeah, and I'm gonna piggyback on that a little bit too. Um, so pay-per-click, PPC, that's where you're actually showing, you're paying to show up highly on Google. Oftentimes it'll say sponsored or advertisement right next to that. Uh, and then search engine optimization, SEO, that's showing up organically. Now, those are a great complement to one another uh, because what we're able to do is we're able to test keywords by just simply paying for that click and then understand, was that traffic good? We're able to watch that traffic, so we can we can buy a, a keyword that we want to win in SEO, knowing that it will take some time to kind of cultivate that organic traffic. We can buy it, watch how well that traffic performs, and say, ah, that was a good keyword. We're going to want to keep that, or actually, we, we probably shouldn't use that keyword, which might save us uh, weeks or months of, of work to try to rank organically. So they really go together. So with the goal in kind of complementing those two, is there ever a time where you would just, just do pay-per-click or just do SEO, or do you always want to do pair them together like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, you know, it really depends on how um, I think where a site is at in its terms of its development and how much effort they they want to put into it and um, what their long term goals are. You know, the the value of having SEO and having a keyword appear or phrases and certain article titles appear on in the search engines, particularly in the, on page one. You know, there's a lot of value in that because they will be sustaining there. You know, as as time goes on, as as the algorithms updates, provided that you keep the site you know going and updated. Um, but it's definitely more of a long-term strategy. So a lot of times if clients are more of in a hurry, they have maybe an e-commerce store that they just want to whip out and test the market real quick. You know, they may want to do a PPC strategy, uh, paid, you know, advertising to kind of get the ball rolling and to also then learn too, like Jason mentioned about the keywords and to see how we can kind of formulate that more into a long-term strategy for, for SEO. But sometimes it's kind of the, the, you know, we see it the opposite. We'll see, you know, the, the traffic that's coming in through sites and, you know, for the keywords that they're ranking for. And then we can try to hone in on that more and dominate the market more for certain paid initiatives. So, you know, it can be a combination, I would say. Yeah, Alex, I think it makes sense. It's We, we look at it from a couple different perspectives. One of them is how old or, or how new is the site? And if the site's new and it doesn't have a lot of legacy behind it, uh, usually it doesn't have a strong SEO presence. So we're oftentimes going to want to kickstart that with some pay-per-click. We'll show Google that, uh, that when people come to the site, they stay, they click, they enjoy the site. They engage and Google says, oh, I'll start to show them for organic as well. Um, sometimes we're going to be marrying both of those because there is a finite amount of keywords that a website can 
rank for organically. So sometimes we'll buy some uh, some of those other keywords that uh, that if we feel that there are some that are of value. And I guess lastly is we look at ROI. If if we're if we're able to pay for a keyword and pay per click, and we're able to convert at a rate that still gives us a, a positive ROI, uh, there's really no reason to slow that down. Would you say that pay per click is usually more expensive than doing like an, a long term SEO strategy? Hmm, that's a good question. Right? It, yeah. yeah, I think I think right <laughs> off of the bat, um, pay per click could be seen as more expensive uh, because uh, you know when you're when you're paying for that click versus uh, the energy it takes to to win that traffic organically, you might say, well, that was a two dollar. You know, I mean, and pay per click rates are you know thirty cents to eighty dollars. I think mesothelioma was going for eighty dollars. You know, five six years yeah. ago because it's it's auction based, right? Pay per click is, is auction based. So uh, it's a it's a difficult question to answer without qualifying. But um, what I will tell you is that that pay per click is a is a known cost. Um, uh, much more so than SEO. SEO, you need to measure, you need to be constantly uh, monitoring and improving. But one thing that SEO has that pay-per-click doesn't is it, it does, although it takes a little bit longer to get that traffic, it also takes a lot longer for that traffic to stop. So with pay-per-click, if you stop paying, traffic is, is stopped, right? You're, 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 you're yeah. flipping a switch. With SEO, if you were to take a little break, you're, you're still going to get traffic. And after some period of time, it might start to diminish a little so how do you stay informed with all of the changes going on with Google? Uh, that's a lot. I mean, there's a really good, um, a few Twitter accounts I follow. One is Danny Sullivan. Um, he's actually the, he's referred to as the search liaison between Google and uh, basically the you know, all the updates that get put out in the market. And he tries to really dispel any kind of disbeliefs about what the algorithms are doing and just tries to keep people up to date. Um, you can read, you know, magazines or online journals like the Search Engine Journal. They keep everything really up to date. They do a lot of blog posts, and we'll talk about trends, upcoming trends for SEO, PPC, uh, you name it. Um, you know, I, I also follow a lot of people um, based on the software that we use. So if we use a, something like a Moz software for researching backlinks or SEO opportunities, um, they often update their their blogs. Um, Rand Fishkin, in, in particular, is a really good example of that. He'll do these whiteboard Fridays that I'd really encourage everyone to check out uh, as well. Um, and you touched on trends a little bit, and this is like a perfect segue into that. What are some trends that you're seeing with SEO? Yeah, so I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the traffic and so forth, the value of you know doing SEO and PPC. But one of the things that um, a lot of times we include in our SEO audits when we're doing it with clients is that um, what is the overall experience with the actual site itself? So how is the UX? Um, you know, how is the navigation going through the site? What is your experience with it? Does it answer relevant questions and get you to ultimately become a converting customer for whatever it is that you're, you're looking for? So if you're not able to, if, if, if users are coming to a site, they're not finding what they're looking for, then the chances are you, you're going to lose ranking. So what we try to do is really hone in and navigate and say, okay, what is this client's main goal? What are they trying to achieve? How do we set up a site to reflect that? And that will greatly impact, um, you know, the effects that SEO will have in, for a client. Yeah, Alex and I think that that brings up uh, that brings up an interesting point, and that is that Google Google has has access to their own analytics, right? They have access to how people how people interact with websites, and what we're telling people is um, really focusing on the qualitative interactions with with visitors to your site is really where we're going, right? So again, when I, we go look at that. Um, that search query is a question, and Google needs to provide you with the right answer. Um, if Google's providing your website and people are staying on the website, you have a low bounce rate, maybe it's you know 20 or 30, uh, you know, people are visiting
listening two, three, four pages and they're staying for a couple minutes, Google's going to say, yeah, these are, these are good quality numbers. Um, we're going to show this more frequently. So really it has gone from what it was you know, 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, um, from just being keywords and putting a lot of keywords on and naming the cities that you're in to really creating an engaging site, a site with quality, a site that's that's going to have uh, a visitor staying and interacting too, not just not just spending time on the site, but filling out a web form, clicking and watching a video. So Google is is really understanding the qualitative aspects of that website interaction. So yeah. it's going to continue to drive in that direction as as um, as, as Google understands how people are using your site. And there's other factors too that kind of plays into how people are using the site. So for example, you know, how there, there's some inter interesting stats that showed that um, you know videos play a huge role now on how people are absorbing content, and the w when they come to a landing page, you know whether or not there's video, what the chances of that person end up becoming a customer is, and they say that video helps increase conversions by eighty percent to pages wow. to landing pages that don't have video on them, and the top performing pages in search results typically have about two thousand characters, two thousand words rather. Um, Whereas, you know, a lot of people may only put two or 300 words on and, you know, they don't optimize the content. So what we're seeing is that, you know, Google is really focusing on, you know, the, the content, the relevancy, the uniqueness to it, um, videos. And, and another good thing that's that's coming up that a lot of um, search engine uh, journals are talking about is the importance of optimizing for, for voice search. Because nowadays, a lot of people, they estimated by 2020 that 50% of all search inquiries will be done by by voice. So rather going, it could be going into Alexa, it could be saying, hey <laughs> Google Siri, home. Yeah, Google, Google Home, home. <laughs> uh, you know, as it's listening in and <laughs> wait, creeping up on you there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, what happens then when you when you, you speak into a, your, your smartphone and the results come up, you know, how do you optimize for that? Well. Again, it comes to the content and whether or not you're addressing certain inquiries. And so we recommend using some tools like um, answerthepublic.com where people can go in and type in, you know, relevant mm -hmm. keywords and can find out, okay, how exactly are people using their mobile device to, to ask a certain question or something um, about uh, whatever it is they're thinking about. And then how you can use that data to then optimize a page on your site. I love answerthepublic.com. <laughs> we talked about this on a previous podcast um, a little bit, but if, if you have not heard of it, answerthepublic.com, go to it, you can yeah, type in any keyword and it gives you offshoots of what people are searching for. And it is amazing for creating blog post content, social content, we use it for on the social team. Um, I love, I love that. Awesome. Ooh, I'm getting involved. <laughs> um, so, so with all of those different options for optimizing your, your website for voice, for, you know, have video on there, a certain number of characters, can you do that all at once? Or is that something that per page or per section of your website, you need to focus, this is the section I want people to voice search and so on and so forth. Sure, so I'll speak high level if anyone wants to jump in. Um, so first and foremost, when approaching SEO, I think I think it's, it's important to consider it's not a one and done. There are foundational aspects to SEO, and uh, we always recommend uh, use Google Search Console. Put that on your site. It used to be called Google Developer Tools, um, but use Google Search Console, so google.com forward slash search. Uh, get your site law, uh, integrated, make sure it's, it's uh, connected with your analytics as, as well. And when you're doing that foundational SEO, they're, they're, going to, they're going to provide some checks and balances for you. There's a lot of tools, but you know that, that first upfront foundational piece, um, it's not really a one and done, but it's something that you have to revisit uh, less frequently, maybe quarterly or, or biannually. Uh, but then you do need to be engaging in 
uh, SEO in an ongoing in an ongoing way. And there are ways to be able to segment out, uh, you know, mobile. If if you have a responsive site, you could have a different UX for mobile. And maybe you want to encourage. Uh, maybe you have different content. You want to encourage, uh, you know, voice searches on on your mobile. That's that's something that you can do by distinguishing between the mobile and the desktop environment. Alex, you talked, um, I want to go back to the point when you said about how video has really great conversions on websites. So one thing that I get feedback from is do website, do videos slow down the website and the load time? Does Is that a factor too? And how do you help that? Because if it's converting people, like, let's put it on there. But if it's slowing down my website time, people drop off then. So how do you combat that? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I would say one of the most popular ways to do that is to actually put the embed the video into the page as opposed to putting a YouTube link because sometimes a YouTube link can just cause the site to be unformatted and it's, it's trying to render data from an external source so the processing of it is a little bit slower. Now, ideally, if your site is already optimized and it has like it's mobile friendly, it should kind of counter that a little bit even if you do put a YouTube link in. But yeah, most of the time you can just embed the video indirectly into it, you know. And I know you can do that through, um, you know, if you have like a WordPress site there's a media player that you can import the the video file directly into it and that that helps and it's interesting because then the search engines actually will regard that as your own unique content because Google picks up picks up on um, and voice content as well that's on a, on a certain page so it will, it will give credit to that amount of characters in that uh, in that video itself and related to the page. So it's almost like your, your page is getting amplified as well. It's embedded into the page. It's better optimized. It's just a win-win for everyone that's putting video, that's using video. So by embedding a YouTube video into your website, it's not giving SEO value to YouTube. You're getting the SEO exactly. value. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Nice. Rather than just feeding YouTube, you know, new content. <laughs> and then this makes me cringe because I know, I don't know if there's a way you can fix this. So that's why I'm, I'm going to ask this question. Um, but with YouTube, you know, they install, I see videos from YouTube <laughs> embedded on websites. Jason's like, I already yeah, know where you're going with this. <laughs> and then when the video's done playing, you get like related videos and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, is there a yeah. way to turn that off? There is a way to turn it off, and, and to be clear, <laughs> and I, how do you do it? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, there, there are there are options, and and, uh, and I'm not entirely sure exactly the process by which you do it. We usually uh, we usually recommend turning those off. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question because when when it is showing content on a topic that you care about, uh, it's going to show similar content right after, which is oftentimes a competitor. Yes. And that's, that's exactly, yep, yeah. that's where so, I'm going So, you know, when they were showing your widget, they're talking about your service, then, you know, it, it ends, and all of a sudden they're showing your competitors, and you're like, oh, no, please stop this. So if you have YouTube videos on your website, yeah. Google how to turn that off. Right, right, <laughs> right. even an ad blocker, otherwise the ads are going to come up, just like they would if, even if you're on YouTube. So own your own content, put your own content on, and, uh, it, you know, and it kind of works the same way, too, on social media. Actually, there was a lot of stats that showed that when you share an embedded video on Facebook, that it gets shared a lot more and it gets viewed a lot more because people don't view it as an external link. There's something about copying and pasting links on that people don't seem to like. You even notice with, like, um, articles now that even if you copy and paste it over, it'll automatically turn into a just a regular-looking post as if you had copied it, as if you had just shared it directly from that page. And so the search engines, social media, they're all figuring out that, okay, there's higher retention rates, higher click-through rates with these methods, and it helps with SEO. So everything's just kind of moving that direction. So anything people can do to really hone in and just you know embed it directly from the source, the better. When you're pulling um, data for website traffic, are you typically using Google Analytics for that? Do you use other sources, or do you rely on, I mean, Google for everything? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. So Google <laughs> Analytics is kind of a it's kind of a gold standard. It's a must, mm -hmm. but um, that really is just kind of the almost the top of the funnel. 
Um, we do use a variety of other tools. We use SEMrush. We use Screaming Frog. Um, and then we actually have have a tool that we use that will aggregate uh, aggregate data from multiple sources. So it'll pull in analytics. It'll if you're using Mailchimp, it'll pull in Mailchimp. If you're using social media, it will pull all these in, and uh, and it allows you to actually create and set goals and actually monitor uh, keywords, uh, whether you're you know, keyword by keyword on how each keyword is improving, and you can switch between Google and Bing. And so we actually use a, a third party tool then to aggregate all of these, and that's where we set up our our goals, our KPIs, and our goals. And when you are, if for a client listening to this and maybe they're thinking about, hey, you know, I need help with these things, um, where should they start? Like you mentioned SEO audit a little bit, like can they audit their own page or what does that look like? Who should they go to or where should they go to? Yeah, I mean, we do lots of audits. So I guess an audit for us typically is what we call a discovery. And it shows, you know, areas of, of opportunity and areas where we think that they can be improved. And so usually what that means is that we, we, we put this item, we, we look at the analytics, um, we put in the SEM rush typically, and we look at, you know, what keywords they're ranking for, which ones have they lost, um, what does the competitive landscape look like, and where is there room for improvement? And then we'll kind of look at it holistically. Um, that can include, you know, reformatting content, the user experience, the design. It can include, you know, building up backlinks, um, all sorts of stuff, but each client is a little bit different. And that usually involves a discussion initially with the client in understanding their goals uh, long-term and, and, and short-term. And so a lot of the decisions and discovery will help kind of reflect that and push it the right direction. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to connect those last two points too within the analytics and within the goals too. And and oftentimes we see that people will stop with Google Analytics. And I mentioned going, going further. Um, I think it's really important to integrate all the way to your CRM if you can. So if you're using a, a customer relationship management tool, if you're able to track campaign campaigns all the way to uh, the actual purchase, right? And it's easier if you have e-commerce, you could check that purchase right away, but maybe you're a service industry or um, maybe you're B2B be, or maybe you want to track you want to track uh, the e-commerce conversion uh, for for customers who are return customers. Sometimes um, you know, a- actually, really any opportunity we get, we're going to go as deep as we can into the CRM so we can we can ultimately say this 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 lead this keyword this campaign gave you this ROI not not just not just this is how many impressions you got or how many clicks, but going all the way into the CRM and looking at ROI. So in the end, you can say, um, like a, a, client of our, a client of ours, uh, they know that when they acquire a new customer and they're in the service industry, in the medical service industry, that uh, the first year, they're maybe making about $100 on that client. And the second year, they're making about 200 And the overall lifetime value of that client is about $749. So we're able to say, okay, we know this. We know your at. We know your average. Uh, your average um, uh, gross revenue on this because we've tracked all the way to your CRM. Now we can work backwards and say, all right, wh- what is a what is an acceptable cost per acquisition? Maybe it's a hundred dollars. And they look at that and they say, okay, great. Spend a hundred. Eventually, over a few years, we're going to get six fifty or six forty nine. So. We, we like to really, really look at the, you know, really, again, not stop at analytics and go all the way into goals and into CRM. Do you specialize in certain industries or do you kind of go across the board? That's a great question. So uh, we're, we're split uh, pretty evenly between B2B and B2C. Um, however, we have noticed a little bit of a sub-niche, and that is B2B customers who are looking to also compete in B2C. And uh, we've actually had huh. quite a few. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I'm like trying to think of like, hmm, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are in manufacturing, and they, historically they've gone to a distributor, and the distributor takes a, a relatively relatively big uh, big cut. And uh, some of these manufacturers are actually going B two C and finding some pretty significant success. Maybe they dip their toe in in uh, in uh, Amazon, and they say, okay, yeah, well, they're actually they're actually buying. Now let's set up our own our own uh, e-commerce store. So uh, yeah. we do e-commerce, we do B2B and B2C, and that sub-niche is really neat because it allows us to flex from B2B to B2C and utilizing e-commerce. Um, what are some success stories you've had with some of your clients? You don't have to obviously list names of clients, but is there a couple stories you can tell us? Yeah, there's a really fun one. Uh, there's, a, there's a local company here and uh, the local of the Twin Cities, they have multiple locations. Um, and we looked at we looked at their traffic and we did an analysis on on uh, their web their web um, their web traffic, and what we recognized was that uh, you know just from speaking with them you know 99 or 99.5 percent of their revenue actually came from Minnesota right the transactions happen in Minnesota but when we looked at their when we looked at their traffic. Uh, you know, 80% of their traffic was coming from outside of Minnesota. And when we did an analysis, we recognized, you know, we're not being specific enough and we're not informing Google that we only want to see or we primarily want to see traffic in Minnesota. So we took their traffic and uh, and reworked their keywords and we ended up increasing their Minnesota traffic by about five times. And with that, <coughs> um, with that, their, uh, their quality of traffic also increased because people People were in California. They were coming to their site and saying, "Oh, this is pretty, but I, I'm not actually not actually going to transact. This isn't what I'm looking for." So, really, really increased uh, the visitors, but also the quality and relevancy of their visitors as well. Would you say um, for SEO and pay per click, like, is it how big of a brand should you have before you start doing SEO marketing, or does it not matter the size? Wow, good question. Um, I guess it depends how much of a budget you. <laughs> You have well because with PPC, right? You I mean you can't get around it. You just have to Google it's yeah, pay to play, <laughs> pay to play, right? So, but you know, for anyone who's starting out, I would say you know one of your best assets is that you can write and create your own content. You can create your own website, so it's not impossible to get going and trying to do your own SEO efforts. However, if you're trying to scale, you know, a little bit further down the road. Um, I think you'd really want to take a look at, you know, okay, have you been profitable? Have you been able to get an ROI on whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's getting new followers to whatever your podcast you're doing or if you're selling a product and so forth. Really be aware of what the values of your ROI and then if it makes sense and to scale larger, bring in a professional team for sure that can really look in and identify those areas of opportunity and really scale it down, especially um, if you're not aware of all the things we've been mentioning with CRM systems and analytics and, you know, our goal is to really help companies and people and individuals look at, you know, a, a digital marketing approach holistically and how we can help them essentially grow and Mm-hmm. And, and convert more. Yeah. And what's really interesting about the size of uh, the size of the company engaging in in SEO and in uh, and in PPC is there really isn't a there really isn't an advantage that the big that the big companies have. They don't have an advantage like they do in in other in other um, in other marketing uh, other marketing segments because you know a cost per click is going to be a cost per click. And if you know what you're doing, you know how to optimize. You know how to get a good quality score. You know how to be relevant. You know how to how to make a nice website. Um, you can be very competitive and oftentimes outcompete some of those big players that have really, really big budgets. I love it. Um, this question gets a little weird. What's <laughs> the strangest great. keyword you've had to optimize? Oh, that's a great question. 
<laughs> I'm thinking some like just you have a client, you're just like, what? Like they really this word this gets them a lot of leads, like flap a doodle or just something strange. <laughs> like what's just you don't have to obviously say the client, but I'm just curious. Like you're like, am I really doing this right now? <laughs> I had some when I worked for a hotel chain. I I did some for like for niche areas, like people who wanted to, I don't know, have smoky rooms or or like places that had like you know free sandals or free <laughs> free accessories and and so forth. Like people would be very particular about some of their search inquiries. Um, I even did one like people wanted to know about you know which rooms have balconies. In this case, because I was living abroad in Taipei, they wanted to see a views of the 101 tower. So they were searching uh, for um, hotels with balconies to see that. So actually, I went in and wrote an so article. Specific. Yeah, <laughs> but it ended up being one of the best converting uh, keywords and article titles that we had because I knew that people were looking for that. So I kind of think outside of the box with that one. But yeah, some weird other accessories ones, I would say. Um, yeah, not, nothing nothing too out of the ordinary, <laughs> All I right, guess. I thought that could get weird, but yeah. I guess that's that's pretty, that doesn't seem too bad. Yeah. <laughs> you just make something up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty tame. That was okay. Yeah, that was okay. So you said create your own content, and as far as, you know, optimizing your, say you've got a site that's been around for a long time, and you're trying to better optimize it for SEO conversions and stuff. What are you, ta- like, practically, what are you talking about doing? Is that blogging or is that redoing the website like what what does that actually look like what's what do you do when you optimize that site sure and i'll break it down into three categories one of which is going to be we'll call it the technical content and this is oftentimes an example of, of something that's really easy that's overlooked how you name your graphics we've all done a search and we've seen we've seen photos show up right name your graphics with a good keyword and then alt tag that with a good keyword um, so, so it's not supposed to be point zero two five nine JPEG? Well, <laughs> if, if, if that's your keyword, and you're, then, it's, then it's spot There's on. There's tons that's, of searching yeah. requirements for that, yeah. I feel like that'll convert really well. It's very yeah. specific. Um, so, yeah, you know, so we've got the technical the technical aspect. We've got the the, you know, the meta, the meta description. Uh, then you have the actual content on the website. Um, so re- reworking that content, making sure that the keywords that you're putting are hyper-relevant to the page and that the overall sitemap uh, makes sense, uh, hierarchical speaking. And then uh, to your point about blogs, uh, we always say your content needs to be recent, needs to be relevant, needs to be right. And a blog is a great way to put out recent, relevant, and right content. Oh, I like that tagline. Yeah. Oh, recent, relevant, right. I'm writing that down. And like I could see you guys like writing an article, keeping a blog about, you know, how to get start your own podcast. What is the what does it look like to start your own podcast and get that going off the ground? What was the setup like? You could go into a lot of detail and so forth. And I think the value of, of creating an article like that that asks at this point, probably a really common question, um, would put you really high up in the rankings because a lot of people are looking to know that from a professional source and you guys having experience would be a great outlet for that. So really think about like, you know, what it is that you have uh, expertise in and try to write some content about it. And, you know, remember, you know, the, the, for the for the words, if we're talking search inquiries, the words have to come from somewhere, right? So they have to be basically, it has to come from content. Yes, you can, you can you know, inject keywords and so forth and that helps, but um, it's really good that you formulate a good content strategy um, kind of based off what Jason was saying. So when you're writing content for a business, how do you know what to write about even though you're not part of the business? Uh, that's a great question. I get this question all the time with social, so I want to see what your answer is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. yeah. And we've done, we've done a lot of writing for engineering, for manufacturing. And engineering is a really, really good example because engineers are, are you know, highly, highly technical, highly intelligent individuals, and they're building. Often, let's say that they're they're an engineering manufacturing firm. Uh, they're building something for somebody else to use. Oftentimes, right now, the person searching for it is oftentimes not an engineer, right? Maybe they're a buyer. 
And, uh, and we really, really feel that there's value in an outside perspective. And that writer coming in and uh, interviewing and asking questions to that engineer and then writing it in a way that is, uh, that is understandable and appealing to the reader uh, really gives you a better interaction. So um, we love, love to see professional writers actually writing that, that content as opposed to the subject matter experts themselves uh, because it's oftentimes more relatable and consumable to the person that's reading it. So uh, I just want to add that, you know, a lot of the people listening may be thinking about SEO or they've heard about it or they've paid people in the past to do SEO and it didn't work and, and all of that. And I would just say that when you're thinking about uh, who do I hire to help me with SEO, and you've heard a lot of the points, I think that um, Jason and his team bring to the table, but just to kind of spell it out, because um, I've been in this space uh, almost as long as Jason. Not he's got a couple years on me, but uh, <laughs> but SEO is by far the most complicated, and um, it, it's easy. It's hard to understand, so it's easy to feel like you're being deceived, and so it's this: How do I know I'm not getting screwed? Uh, and so I think uh, the things that Jason and Alex touched on that you should pay attention to are that audit initially. Uh, KPIs, you know, they're talking about SEO in a way that nobody else is talking about it because they're talking about conversions, they're talking about ROI, they're not talking about just getting you number one on Google, which everybody would love but may not be possible, especially for certain keywords, but it's how do we get conversions, how do we get money coming in the door, how do we start getting predictive in our marketing based on what we see that traffic doing once it gets to the website. So, you know, make sure you're looking for um, a firm like Brandography, who's going to do the work up ahead or ahead of time, um, talk about goals, setting those expectations, and then that monthly reporting that's really transparent so you know exactly uh, what what is happening and what the plan is. And, and if something drastic happened, which can happen, um, you know, what's the plan? How do we how do we dig out of this or what happened? Maybe we don't know what happened, but at least we're having those conversations. So, um, you know, that's just some notes to make. Um, when you're trying to figure that out. Well, thank you, Ruth. And if I can, uh, if I can just piggyback on that a little bit, um, you know, when you when you talk about uh, SEO and digital marketing, I think it's important to go into it with a strategy, and that's where that discovery is important, and maybe even creating that strategic marketing plan uh, before you execute, as opposed to after. And uh, one thing worth mentioning is, uh, as of uh, as of last year, forty two percent of the average marketing spend was spent in digital marketing, and of that, SEO was the biggest line item. So we're seeing that only continue to grow. It's expected to be over fifty percent in the next coming years. And I think it's important that we approach it with the same intentionality that we have historically with other uh, other areas of marketing. If someone wants to um, get an SEO audit from you guys, where can they go? Do they just go to your website? Where's the best place to reach? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, brandography.com. And uh, we'll be in touch with one of our specialists. Perfect. <laughs> uh, most, we'll put a link in our show me. notes to um, brandography.com. So if you are listening and you want an audit, um, you can click on that and fill out the information there. The other thing I wanted to ask really quick, too, is what are qualifications that I know you guys have a ton, but what are qualifications you should be looking for with an SEO company? I mean, there's so many badges and certifications out there. What are like the top, I'll say top two that really matter the most? 
That's a great question. And I really think it, it depends on what you're looking for, right? And who who is going to be the right partner for you? For us, it's all about the right fit. And we talk to a lot of companies and uh, and sometimes we are exactly the right fit and sometimes we're not. And for us, the key differentiator is they're looking for a partner. They're looking for somebody who is proactive, somebody who has an opinion and can back it up with data. If you're looking for somebody who can fill a void uh, and it, within an existing team, maybe you just want a concept ready. Maybe you just want, you know, so really determining what it is you want and uh, and who would be the right fit and the right partner for you. Um, I think that's so much of executing SEO properly. It's just being on the same page. And I'd say that is really, really important. The having the right badges and, and having success uh, success in the past and having case studies, to me that's mandatory. That should be that should be a, a, a binary test. Uh, from there on it's just a matter of who is the right fit. And then this is like the million dollar question. Where do you think the search landscape will be? What will it look like in five years from now? All of our brains. Cyborgs. Yeah, we'll be, our consciousness yeah. will be uploaded robots. into the, uh, the cloud. It will all be AI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have no no hope for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting question. Though. AI is going to is going but to AI play, yeah, a, going to play yeah. a part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to help with uh, with predictions. It's going to be necessary too because the ways that we're searching uh, continues to evolve and change. We're going to be searching uh, more so in our car because you know again we're going to be going more into voice search. Um, people are doing more searches with images. Or, you know the ways that we're searching uh, are are changing, and and we're going to see less people intentionally sitting down at their desktop to do their search, it's going to be more spontaneous. It's going to be more question-based. Microchips, you know? Yeah, that's that's important. Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) Getting my implant next week. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. Like I mentioned earlier, all of the links we talked about, because we have a lot of different things that we shared today, will be in the show notes section at socialfeedpodcast.com slash EP64. Make sure to subscribe to the Social Feed Podcast with Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player to get a brand new episode delivered right to you every Wednesday. Thank you you all and we will see you next week the social feed is a production of hubbard interactive with music provided by minneapolis-based artist john atwell